Moongasms is a podcast of conversations about connection, change and creativity and today we're joined by Charlie Brophy. Charlie is a curious wanderer and explorer of the world. She uses her lens as her platform to delve deeper into her experiences. I've been following Charlie's creative journey for over 10 years and I'm constantly inspired not only by her creative talent but the presence, authenticity and joy she brings to every space she enters. I'm so grateful to be here in her space today. Welcome, Charlie. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you for having me, Tiger. Thanks for having us in your bedroom. Welcome to my bedroom. Your bedroom for another... Another three days. This is my um, the bedroom that I grew up in with my family. Um, so we're in uh, Northbourne, otherwise known as North Boring, but I recently moved back here a few weeks ago just to... Um, declutter my life and close this chapter before I head back to India on Monday. So um, as you can see, half of my room is in boxes. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's an, an exciting space to revisit uh, just to, I guess, close this chapter and head back into another part of, um, well, a, diff- a different human experience, I guess. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Do you want to introduce your dog too? Um, this is Mickey Mancuso, otherwise known as Michelangelo or Mickey Mop. Depends who, <laughs> depends what time of the day it is and depends what mood he, he's in. But um, if you hear any snoring throughout the podcast, then it's not Tiger or myself. It's, um, or Gid. <laughs> it's Mickey. He's so cute. He's <laughs> really cute and just snuggly. So I guess we're talking about chapters closing chapters um and I thought maybe we would begin with your opening chapter so uh the podcast is about creativity um and you use your camera as your creative creative outlet um so what made you pick it up in the first place um I guess I have been interested in capturing people and places that have surrounded me from about 10 or something, you know, on disposable cameras. My dad was always giving me 35 millimeter film and I was always obsessively taking photos of things around me. And um, that was, I guess, where the curiosity began. But um, when I was in high school, I wasn't traditionally academic and um, I was a little bit restless and I was at a private girls school and I just found that I really connected with um, being in the dark room in my spare spare time and I put a lot of time and effort into creating my photography folio in year 10, 11 and 12. So um, I think I was always probably looking for a lot of truth around me and um, even though photography captures things that are predominantly in, the, I guess, the physical form, I was always looking for more meaning beyond the form. So um, I was really interested in storytelling. I was really interested in uh, people and and why where they grew up and their, um, their personal spaces. A lot of my portfolio was reflective of introspection from, you know, my 16-year-old thoughts of, you know, you know why am I here and, um, you know, why, why are people so different and how do people – a lot of my themes were about home actually and um, why people decorated their spaces in particular ways and I grew up in a really – well, not this space that I'm in now but my grandparents' space was um, really colourful and very uh, oriental and Indian inspired and there was a lot of really bright colourful wallpapers and carpets and I took a lot of my first portraits of my grandparents in that space Mainly my granddad, he inspired my creative flow a lot. And yeah, I guess in my family, we weren't really, we didn't really intimately talk about subjects. And I think that the way I got close to people was by photographing them. So it was my way of gaining further insights, um, but almost having like an, an excuse or a tool to sit and spend really personal and valuable time with, that, with those people. So beautiful that your creative outlet um, is fueled by this desire to find truth 
and to show truth and then you can also build connection in in those spaces. I think that's really a beautiful thing. Um, what is true for you right now in your life? <sighs> Big question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess just a real acceptance of of phases, you know, um, the beginning of something, the end of something, the celebration of that beginning and end, uh, I guess my truth in knowing that it's really time to get back on the open road and to not know where I will be next week and not know what the day presents for itself. I think um, knowing and kind of accepting that the work that I wanted to do here in my hometown of Melbourne has is, is done really and um, I'm really grateful for this space. I'm really grateful to be back here, you know, even though I'm in my family house and it's so nostalgic and not only am I packing up here, there, my family are packing up and planning on selling this space while I'm away. So it feels like I'm really just... I just know that I'm ready to move on to the next chapter and sometimes I feel like I intuitively know that I have to return to a space and I also know intuitively when it's time to to move along and sometimes I'm not sure why but when I get to that next space I kind of get that download I'm like oh okay yeah that's this that's why all that happened amazing yeah <laughs> I think it's really clear that you've got a really deep sense of connection to yourself and to your experiences and I know that takes a lot of practice and a lot of um, I think time to develop that connection with yourself and develop that connection to intuition to know when it's time to let go of things. I think a lot of us, I know for me personally, I've felt a lot in resistance to letting go of things. I think I'm a bit of a hoarder. Um, a hoarder of experiences and of connection and um, I value it so much. So when it comes to letting go, I think I always let myself get a bit too far into the, okay, I need to let this go rather than being like, oh, I feel ready. (laughs) So how did you develop that? How was that something that you cultivated? It it definitely hasn't been like supernatural or super easy it hasn't happened overnight and just then as you were describing that feeling of of wanting to remain attached to something especially if it feels so great and it is um such a vibration that you want to continue to experience um but yeah I guess and also I imagine that you're quite a romantic person and quite a nostalgic person and I also can relate to that. So not wanting something to end is, is, um, or wanting to hold on to, to the feeling of an experience is something that I can definitely relate to. Um, so I, I guess that, um, space where entering that space where you intuitive, intuitively start to receive guidance or it, it really comes to an inner knowing for me, which I think has been something I've really, wanted for a long time and I think creating space and removing myself from um limitations or restriction restrictions and usually they're they're limiting beliefs that I hold and I possess so it's not like anybody else is you know holding me back and saying you can't do this because I have been blessed to come from a family who have really supported my desires to be you know free and liberated and to not live a traditional lifestyle even though they might have once wanted that for me um so for me I think removing myself from from um really familiar surroundings and you know traveling has been a great part of it because I've spent a lot of time alone and I've spent a lot of time um giving myself the space to 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 question what it is that really that I really want to feel my day and what it is that really makes me excited to get up in the morning. Yeah, so I think what you were saying before about traveling and 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 creating space for yourself to be able to hear that internal voice, I can really relate to. I know when when I was 21 I I took 8 months to myself to go traveling alone and I think it was the first time that I stopped hearing 
just my head and I had space and like a like my ears opened up to hearing what was in my heart and also you know what was in my creative energy and that intuitive voice and I think for a long time I felt like travel was the only way to achieve that and so I kept going back you know going back to travel to to hear that again because like you were saying before we started um recording when you're in Melbourne you 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 attune to this vibration and sometimes it's not always conducive to listening to that inner voice and and really creating space because you're constantly doing and connecting and being which is great Mm -hmm. but um I think this is the first year for me that I came back from India and felt how do I cultivate this in my life now how do I create space and find that space to to listen to that intuitive part of myself even when I'm here Mm, yeah, I, I think for me personally, if I'm returning to Melbourne, because it can be so overwhelming, because naturally it's a city that is um, structured and thrives on a really high energy, you know, it's got, even if you're not working nine to five, there's the uh, the energy of the grind that you end up feeling kind of compelled to conform to in a way or even people, you know, like, well, you know, what are you doing tomorrow and what are you doing? I'm like, some days I just, I'm doing me for that day. And I know that's a real luxury to be able to have that time and that space, but I would totally implode if I didn't have that time and that space. So I think in terms of being in Melbourne, I think I know I need to come back here with intention. So I need to think, okay, when I come back from this big trip where I've gained all of this insight because I've had the space to, you know, sit and not be distracted by what everyone around me is doing or um, to be really close to nature because that's the one thing I find that I don't get to experience when I'm here in the city is that I have to consciously say I'm getting in the car on the weekend I'm driving an hour out of Melbourne so I can be, you know, next to the water or next to the trees or be in an open space and kind of hope that some inspiration kind of falls into my lap when I'm in that space. So when I'm somewhere like India or overseas or wherever it is, because I'm waking up to nature most of the time and I'm having that space to, to, to go about my daily rituals without really knowing the time or without even really knowing the day and just kind of having my day marked by my yoga practice, my, you know, my readings, as in the books that I read, the, the the meals that I prepare and take time and, and not rush any of those things. And then when I come back to Melbourne, I know that um, I need to have intention. I need to have projects because otherwise I spiral into a, what the hell am I doing with my life all over again? It's like all those existential questions come back to me. So I 100% agree that being um, in that transformative space of going, okay, cool, I've received that inspiration, but how do I make it last here is really important. And you can't always just chase that ticket on a plane to rely on that inspiration to come back to you. And so I think that's when your own, for me, it's my having my own practices here that allow me to get that same um, source of inspiration. It might not be from, you know, days of being immersed in nature and not knowing what time it is. It might be from you know, doing yoga practice or from going and seeing live music or from dancing or from uh, whatever it is that makes you feel alive and whatever it is that makes you feel inspired. You might go to an art gallery. It's so different for everyone. You know, one thing that might inspire you one day, you get no response to the next week as well. So just having that fluidity to continue to dip your toes into different sources of inspiration so that you can create that space to have that um, emotional response, um, to have that creative energy, um, come back to you. So yeah, I, I know that a year ago I went to Thailand just to have a break from working and I was on an Island for a month and I got to the point where I was so bored. I actually was like, I'm not, I'm not ready to, to sit still right now. And I felt so restless and I ended up I had, I had plans to go to India from Thailand and I ended up going, no, I actually, my work isn't done in Melbourne. I need to be still for a year. I need some stability. I need some grounding. And even though my living situation has continued to change because I'm a serial subletter, um, I 
have still had that space where I've called it home for a period of time and I've, you know, nutted out some projects and I've, I've, um, created, I guess, some sort of, my days almost looked really similar for a while. And I, that didn't freak me out. It's just that now I'm at the space where I'm almost, I've completed all of the intentions that I set two years ago when I left India the things that I wanted to do, what things I wanted to achieve, the things I wanted to experience. It's taken me two years to do it, but now I'm almost ready to go wandering into the unknown again. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's my way of um, staying curious and, and exploring further. But I know that for everyone, um, being in a similar environment is really important. For me, Photography is one of the tools that I use to, I guess, um, communicate and to connect and to, um, it's almost just, it's second nature to me when I'm in a space and I'm inspired by the places and the faces, I like to shoot. And I also have to consciously say, I'm not picking up my camera for two weeks because I need to be really present. I need to try and not collect memories all the time because sometimes I just need to be present and I don't want to have belongings and I don't want to have heavy gear on me. And so, um, I also find that when I'm in Melbourne, there's definitely periods where I, I am really introverted and I spend a lot of time alone. And I, I notice I haven't picked up the camera for anyone else. Like I've picked up the camera for clients works and I've created, you know, campaigns and I've done work for other people, but I haven't had the really genuine, authentic moment where I'm like, oh my God, this is so heavenly. I need to click, you know, remember that. And, um, that's also a pretty good indication that it's time for me to get on the road because that's where, um, a lot of my, um, magic through my lens and my connection is born. Beautiful. Mm. I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to know which which waves to to catch and which ones to let let go by and and watch them and just observe them it's it's a really nice um skill to have um did you always feel this sure about your choices that you were making for yourself a hundred percent no it's <laughs> <laughs> a rhetorical question <laughs> yeah no Definitely not. I, I think I spent a lot of my um, teenage years and also early tw- early 20s, I'm 26 now, um, asking questions and not knowing how to answer them, really posing the questions and thinking, God, will I ever know? Like, do, does it ever get clearer? <laughs> Who's answering my own questions, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I think I've had a very, um, in, in the past and only recently started to conquer a self-deprecating approach to not just my work, but my existence and, you know, always striving for perfectionism, but also finding how limiting that was because I would literally stop myself from doing something that I loved because I was so, uh, scared of failure. I had like a, a, a massive fear of failure and, you know, it's a good indication with um, me wanting to become a yoga teacher and then me wanting to share my photography work in a book and then in an exhibition and having all these thoughts but going actually mapping the process to getting there and thinking, oh, no, that's that's too hard because what if I get to the end of it and, I, and I'm not proud of what I've created or other people don't like what I've created and um, I think that a lot of the healing modalities and um, I guess self-care processes that I've come to explore over the last few years have then led me to have more of an idea of being sure about A, my self-worth, B, the desires that I have and C, also accepting that like sometimes you just have to be perfectly imperfect. I've been so um, hung up on perfectionism for so long that the the pain of not doing something because it's not going to be perfect is actually much more um, destructive than the pain of, you know, not doing something. 
Wait, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes complete sense. Stopping myself from doing it because of fear is actually a lot more painful to then, you know, taking the leap and just hoping for the best and saying, well, I, I'm not going to know until I try. Yeah. And, and even if you do, you know, it doesn't end up being what you thought it would be or, you know, it's not how you imagined that that place is a good place to be because you're growing, you're learning from it and you can, you know, find something really beautiful in, in something not turning out exactly the way you had hoped it to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I find when you, when you create something and it's actually totally different than what you thought it would be, you're like, Oh cool. I actually really like this a lot more and it feels more authentic to who I am. And only ever really, you know, that process you know you're like looking and going oh my god that's not what I had planned out like everyone else is just excited to support you and see like oh my god this is great you've done that thing you've been talking about and for me that was also a frustrating part is I had was talking about these ideas with myself and then the people around me and it took me two years it recently the project that I was working on was um was the body of work that I shot last time I was in India and I wanted to do something with it and you know, it seems like such a small thing to anyone else, but to me it felt huge. I'd think, okay, well, I've got these images. I don't want to just put them online. I don't want to just put them on Instagram. I want to like, I want to celebrate them in, in a in a larger form, on a larger scale. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll, I could make a book and I could, you know, put, collate the images and I could print the book and then, oh, maybe I could print them bigger and then I could frame them and I could get a gallery. And I get, well, that that's frightening. A gallery spotlight on me. Oh my God. No. And I'd back away from the idea. So, um, sometimes, you know, an idea that is really, is something that's really exciting is really frightening. And a lot of the time I feel like the fear can override, um, the, the excitement of actually doing the work. And then you map out the process of what it takes in steps. And, um, yeah, I guess, trying not to be too intimidated by that mapping process and, and, and not having too many expectations of how you're going to feel by the end of it or what it looks like by the end of it, but just letting it flow and going, Oh, cool. Now it's going in that direction. Oh, cool. Great. Wasn't expecting that. Um, so yeah. What, <laughs> what is that internal? Is there anything you want to say? Do you feel like you're still in a moment when you've got a lens in front of you or not then? I feel like I'm still in the moment when I'm behind the lens. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe because of the style of the way that I shoot, because it's very simple, like that is the camera I use mm -hmm. and it's just got a roll of film in it because it's very, it's not digital. So it's also, I'm only taking one photo of something. So if I'm in a moment, you know, whether I'm on the back of a motorbike or walking down the street or having a conversation with someone, a lot of the time if I pull out my camera and I take the photo... I just put it away and I keep continue the conversation. But I find that when I'm, if I am using like a digital device, sometimes I take 50 photos of the exact same thing and just hope that I like one of them the best. So maybe the style that I choose to shoot allows me to stay present. And also I, I, I might not look at that photo for six months and then I might forget about that moment. And then I might relive that moment all over again when I get that film developed and go, oh, Oh my God. Wow. Yes, of course. So, and then I'm transported back to that moment, that time, that place, that, that smell, the sounds around me. And I'm really grateful that I stopped that moment briefly to take that photo. It's really interesting because when you're talking like that, I think about the different lenses we use in our life. You know, we have an external lens and, you know, we have a million windows of perception, you know, it's how we see the external world. And then you have an internal voice that's experiencing your external world and then talking to you inside yourself and we're picking up those different lenses within ourselves all the time so how, how do you balance wanting to output and wanting to produce something that's come from a very internal place with a voice that can be self-deprecating sometimes and can say oh I'm not enough or this is too hard or what about if I fail or what if it doesn't turn out how do you find the balance to say, actually, I'm going to feel that fear and, and just go for this it anyway. This is non-negotiable. Um, I, th I think that this is, uh, this is very new to me, this, um, the overcoming of the self-deprecating voice. And 
I think that my brother, who's one of my mentors, um, he broke it down for me in this way that was just made things feel like kind of out of my control in a way, in a refreshing sense when he said like, this isn't actually about you, like your, 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 your channel. And, um, it would be a disservice to the creative gods for you to not show this fucking book for you to not share this work. That's just going to sit on your hard drive and then it'll become this like distant kind of memory. So it's not actually about you. You just have to tune in your antenna and use your vessel to, to, to download this inspiration that's flowing through you. And, you know, if, if you don't really do it, someone else is just going to receive that download. And it just kind of made it seem beyond me and it made it seem like, oh, okay, cool. Well, this is maybe something that's just non-negotiable and maybe that negative self-talk is, you know, it's, it's definitely present and um, consciously trying to rewire my brain patterns as well, actually going, okay, cool, I've told this same story to myself over and over again for years. You're not good enough. You know, maybe this work is crap. Maybe no one wants to see it. Oh, is it even worth sharing? All of these really limiting and negative self-talk Um super limiting beliefs, just I've actually had to consciously, you know, write it down on a piece of paper and stick it on a mirror or catch myself in that moment and say, how about try this and laugh at myself a lot of the time. And it's like, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, you're, you're blessed to, to share work that, that you love and you're blessed to live this life of, you know, um, that that's not traditional and, you know, your parents didn't have the luxury of doing what they wanted to do. My mom wanted to be an interior designer or interior decorator and she only was allowed to be, a, you know, a, a, a primary school teacher or a teacher and a nurse. And it was very, like, her life was mapped out for her by her father. And and when I realised just how grateful and blessed I am to be able to do what I want to do, um, you know, not just for passion, not just for pleasure, but to share it and also for my work, um, yeah, that almost just starts to, to to rewire those neural pathways of saying like this is too fearful, this is too this is yeah, there's too much at, at risk here because it's 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 actually just bullshit. <laughs> it's funny because I woke up this morning and I I went to yoga and I you know sometimes I'm in a yoga class and I'm there in my body I'm totally not in my mind and I'm fully connected and the entire yoga class I had these negative this all these things going through my head and so I got back from yoga and I was like all right I'm just gonna actually put them on paper like all these things I'm thinking of that like these self-deprecating terrible self-talk I'm gonna write it out and actually show it to myself and I wrote it down and I'm like what is the story I'm telling myself and I had like this list of like 20 things of like all these things that were going to go on and this and that. And then I said, okay, now actually look at what is truth. Like what can you be absolutely 100% sure is truth in that? And I couldn't think of a single thing. And I was like, oh, I need to do this more often because the minute you can put a mirror, we can so see it on other people. We are so good, I think, especially – you know, for people that are in tune quite, you know, quite a lot with other people and also quite in tune with themselves, we can see it on others and know exactly what to say in the moment when someone's going through a hard time or having those self-deprecating thoughts and we can mirror back exactly what they need to see. But when it comes to ourselves, it takes such an extra effort to be present with those those thoughts and give them space but not attach to them and rewire our brain and say like, you know, that's nice. Thank, thanks for coming, but you're not welcome here mm -hmm. and this is not. See you later. Yeah, this is not true. And if you took that list to any of your friends, they would say, oh, my God, you're, an abusive, you're in an abusive relationship. If you said, look, this is a list that my partner gave me, they would say, oh, my God, you need to that, – that is mental abuse, honey. You need to get out of that situation if any of our friends brought that list to us, we would say the exact same thing, except it's really interesting that when it comes to our, ourselves, we're able to have that such intense uh, negative self-talk and 
it's really, I think, powerful to step away from it and think what if your closest friend came to you and and sh- and shared that with you? You would just be mortified that they had the ability to talk to, to themselves that way because you just think the world of them. And it's almost that much harder for us to to at times think the world of ourselves and to be able to, yeah, just recognise when it's you're just going in, in cycles. It's just this really destructive cycle that you're replaying I think um something that I found useful recently was to uh take a step back and say how can I hold myself like I would a child how can I how can I parent myself in a way that I would want to parent in the future and the minute I did that I went into compassion just complete compassion for myself like every step of the way because parents are there essentially and it doesn't have to be biological parents but any sort of caregiver is there to love you unconditionally Mm. and guide you and provide you with you know boundaries and um and you know autonomy and finding a balance between that and and when you're when you're able to do that for yourself it's almost like you wake up and you're like oh this is this is what I want this is the gift I want to give to myself not just to other people but to really be present with myself Mm. and have compassion it's a really powerful tool really powerful tool I've definitely used that once to try and rewire a um I guess some mental illness that I was struggling with for a while to revisit myself, my inner, my inner child and as now and, and to um, kind of apply all of the knowledge and wisdom that I had with me now. And if I could meet myself as, you know, I, I traced it back to that exact moment that I felt that, um, that pain or I felt that, that issue arising as, you know, a four-year-old and, and to sit and have a conversation that was really maternal and really um, full of unconditional love and, and um, just hold space for that part of myself um, as an inner child and kind of try and, and heal the, the pain with uh, wisdom from now and, and that sounds like a really similar, similar tool. It's really powerful. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So I guess I think about these things and I think, you know, it's such a practice. All of these um, these tools need to be practised because if we, if we lose our practice, like any creative skill, you know, we lose that sense of self. So what are some practices that you do to ground yourself back into who you are and ground yourself into this knowing of actually I'm going to hold space for for this rather than default Mm -hmm. um I think that yoga has been one of the main things for me to start to heal my relationship first starting with the physical body just because I found that as quite an active person that movement really helps me shift energy so if I'm noticing anything stagnant starting to um to lay dormant inside of me I can able to to shift that with physical movement of yoga but then when I started to go deeper into my practice I was able to then tune into my um me (laughs) shall I continue yeah um so yeah I think I think one of the things I noticed when I first started yoga, which was probably about four years ago, is that I don't think I'd been breathing properly my whole life. When I started to consciously breathe, I was like, oh, I suffered from asthma when I was a kid. And I also noticed that when I was doing something that made me really nervous, like I used to be a long distance runner, I'd often have asthma attacks because I would work myself up so much about, you know, not winning that I would have an asthma attack while I was running. And so... I've, I have struggled with breath in, in, in that regard, but when I started yoga and I started actually consciously inhaling and exhaling, I thought, God, this is so simple. And I, I have not been doing this for, you know, 22 or 23 years. Um, so I feel like when I start to stress out or when I start to, um, lose sense of myself or if I really need to 
to gauge a moment with my inner knowing or my inner voice that the first thing I start with is is breath. And that's something that's come from my yoga practice. And also yoga practice has just been helpful with my general like awareness because it fine-tunes your senses in a way that you really notice any sort of stimulation in your body. Your body becomes a lot more sensitive to sound, to touch, to um, light, to vibration, to subtle sensations. All of the subtleties in your environment start to, you know, you become much more sensitive to them. So my first thing is breath. Um, And... Another practice that I have found really helpful, which I think is one of the things I can thank um, being able to get my motherland body of work out there in the public eye, um, was doing morning pages, which is a technique that um, the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, you know it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told about it for years. My brother, it's his, his absolute Bible, and he's been telling me since I was about 16 to read it. And I only started it uh, about six months ago and I started doing my morning pages. And so just, you know, uh, this pen to paper, really just um, stream of consciousness, writing without thinking, without stopping. Sometimes I don't even lift the pen from the paper. Three pages in the morning when you wake up. And I feel like that was really useful in me getting out a lot of the garbage and gunk that, I often take into my day. So sometimes, you know, I'd go to sleep thinking about something and I'd wake up in the morning and I'd write it out, like I would get it out. And then it wouldn't come back to me that day, even though in the nighttime it seemed like a prominent thought that I couldn't shake. So morning pages have been really helpful. Um, I've also feel like a lot of my great ideas have started on on those pages and I never read back on them but I feel like what I leave there and when I when I finish those pages it just feels like a clean slate for the day um has has begun and I've just yeah been able to just to just clear a lot of just it's a decluttering system I think um so that's been really helpful um did you ask me how I returned to yeah, <laughs> they're the two. They're the yeah. two. The two that come to mind. Um, just because I think that, I mean, that's the mind and the body. I I think what what you need in those moments is for your spirit to you know find some space to thrive. And I think that the connection between the mind and the body and the, and the spirit that trinity is so powerful that for me yoga moves my body. Um, and does so much more than that, but, you know, physically starts with moving my body and then um, the mind pages in a way is just a way to, 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 to clear that space to flow again. Beautiful. Mm. So Motherland is your photography from India two years ago um, and I think you and I both share this deep, profound love for that place. Mm. What is it about... India that made you want to create your first kind of exhibition why why this why these photos yeah good question um first of all to anyone that has never been to India I highly encourage you to go me too (laughs) (laughs) the tiger and I are both extreme advocates for um the magnetic energy that um is so prominent there it's just such a vivacious energy that lingers in in the streets in the culture in um the sounds the smells it's a sensory overload um so I think that I do have a really profound connection to India my mom my mother's from India she left there when she was eight and she's never had any desire to return um my granddad so her father spent 45 years of his life there before migrating to Australia and then spent 45 years of his life here. Um, and he always told me really interesting stories from India and he was an amazing painter and um, he had a lot of beautiful paintings around his house of India and the house that they grew up in um, for a period of time. And I think that my first visit to India was very different to the way I go to India now. I went um, with 
my ex-boyfriend's family when I was maybe 14 and I went business class and I stayed in five-star hotels and it was the complete polar opposite end of the spectrum of how I experience now. India now very shanti and, you know, $5 accommodation a night. And (laughs) Um, yeah, so I think because I've had this connection, this will be my fifth time going there. So I keep returning there and when I'm there, I feel so full of inspiration. Um, I think that for a while I stopped photographing because I got really, maybe not sucked in, but I got a bit lost in the commercial world for a while. So, you know, I, I was a passionate photographer from maybe 16. I started shooting for people when I was 18, you know, commercial clients, campaigns while I was studying my BA photography. And then I think for a while it was almost like I turned my passion into my career and then what I loved started to make me money and it started to excite me in these other ways and I almost lost the passion part for a period of time. And so much so that I I went through a couple of years of being or a few years of being a commercial photographer and then I actually had no desire to pick up the camera. I just stopped shooting altogether. I went to Central America for six months. I hardly took any photos. I only took a few photos of travelers around me that, you know, I stopped calling myself a photographer. If people would say, what did you do? I'm like, I'm not entirely sure right now. So um, I guess to answer your question, when I returned to India, I found my love for shooting again in this way that it was reignited because of like authentic connection and I wasn't trying to sell something. And that was my problem with the commercial world is that I felt like I was creating imagery to sell things to predominantly younger girls that are in their teens. And I didn't, it didn't sing true to me anymore. It was, it felt a bit false and it felt a bit fake. And I had a lot of fun working in the fashion photography industry and I learned a lot from that experience, but I realized that that's not my calling and that's not what I strive to do. And I also created a narrative around a lot of the the shoots that I was doing, but it felt like a little bit um, artificial in a way. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it wasn't singing true to me anymore. And that's why I had to step away from from it. So when I went back to India, I felt this, you know, love that had been, um, sparked in me again for capturing people's stories and and meeting people and spending time with people and, and then taking their portrait, not because they're a paid model or not because they're really beautiful and not because they're, um, you know, size six. It was just because a lot of the portraits that I take are, are really obscure and a lot of the um, miscellaneous objects probably don't mean anything to anyone but that's what excites me and so when I finished when I came back from India I had it took me about maybe six months to look at the film that I developed and then when I looked at them I thought wow this is really symbolic of the journey that I've been through of you know rejecting photography for not being not singing true to me anymore and and it just really symbolized that inspiration returning and I just wanted to that to be the first body of work that I shared with people I wanted it to be truthful I my granddad passed away the year I went back to India and I felt like I kept catching glimpses of him in the men on the streets and in the Indian way of life even though he was spent he, he was very um I guess Anglo in a way I, I really saw parts of him in India and that's what inspired me to be there for a long period of time and to keep returning back um yeah I'm always so in awe because I think everyone has a story behind the story so even in photographs right like you take a photograph and it means so much to you and then you offer it to someone else and they can see an entire narrative that has meaning to them and then you like you know can even go deeper than that and 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 look at that that internal experience and it continues to feed itself it's it's such a beautiful beautiful thing you're creating um 
What are your hopes for for this next chapter? I guess what I would really like to channel my energy towards is is learning further learnings. Um, there's a couple of courses I'm really interested in doing in India. Um, I'm I'm not going this time to just wander around loosely and even though I'm sure that will happen um, and, you know, not have any idea of what, what I'm doing there. I am looking to cultivate skills in uh, my, my yoga teacher training course and I'm really interested in body work. So there's a massage course that I'm doing over there. And yeah, I, I think that what uh, inspires me to be back in that space is to be learning as much as possible because when I'm here, I do work as a photographer. I also do random things. I work in catering. I cook food. Um, I, yeah, my day never really looks the same. It's very spontaneous and random. And I'm at that point in my life where I think, okay, cool. For a long time, I called myself a photographer. And that was the one thing that I thought if I didn't do that, I don't know what else I would do with my life. And then I have experienced things in terms of, you know, yoga changing my life and um, massage changing my life. And then I've gone and, and studied those things. And now I hope that when I have that same exchange with someone, if I'm giving them body work or if I'm teaching a yoga class, that maybe they can have that oh, wow, that different perspective or that different experience. And and so I just want to cultivate skills that will allow me to, A, stay on the road for longer and B, be able to offer things other than just photography. Um, because whilst I love it, I would really love to keep it as a passion as well um, rather than relying on that for my, um, you know, income and relying on that to be my everyday. Uh, also, I, I love my week to be full of different things. I don't like to do the same thing every day. I, I'm, I get really restless and um, I think that the oh, great way of combating that is to have a few different jobs and have a few different skills. So educating myself further is one of the main intentions. Also to fall back into this um, divine flow, which is what I think creativity is really, is this divine flow that moves through you um, and I'd really love to fall back into the rhythm that I find in India to be really magical and to be very um, it's full of full of surprises and full of spontaneity and full of that, you know, you just get those like, fuck, yes, that's totally what I'm supposed to be doing right now um, kind of moments. And, yeah, whilst I know that I want to study a couple of courses. I'm also letting, you know, the power of that space and the wind just take me in whichever direction I need to be. So there's intention, but there's also a lot of ambiguous nature and room for play that I'm just going to leave up to the universe. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> I wish I was coming with, but also I'm, you know. Pack I'll your bags, guys. We're going. <laughs> Let's go. Did you ready? So... I guess in retrospect, we could always look back at, at our experiences and see that each step got us to this point. And, you know, when we're standing, looking back, we can feel really proud of, of what we've achieved. Do you feel, I guess, in the theme of moongasms and finding joy in that challenge and in that transformation, do you feel like you felt that throughout those periods of resistance and... And, and change or do you feel like you can only see it in retrospect now standing on the precipice of starting something new? I think sometimes when I'm in something, I'm so overwhelmed by the uh, emotions and by the, um, the whatever's required to make that thing happen that, yeah, for sure, I, it's retrospect, a space of retrospect where I can look back and think, okay, great. Yes. I'm really proud of that. Or that's, that's what I was hoping for. That's beyond what I was hoping for. Um, I think for me, it's hard to gain that kind of insight when I'm in the thick of it. Um, because it's probably not until you've completed it, which at the end of the day is kind of up to you if you're setting that own 
your your goal or your finishing line or your deadline of what um, really makes that scene complete that I can then celebrate it. And as someone that's very um, driven by it not being done until it's perfect, then I definitely am stuck in how in in the production of that thing before I can you know let go of it and, and not be so attached to what that was and um, what I was hoping to gain and just actually be very grateful for that experience and um, yeah, it's all about hindsight for me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think for most people. <laughs> Maybe I'll get better at it, you know. Maybe if, for example, this project that I just did, that was my first exhibition. So maybe I know that next time I'm going to go into it with a very different frame of mind because I learned a lot in this experience and it was a lot a trial and error for a lot of things. Um, so I guess the, the like anything, the more you do it, the more you could probably get better at maybe enjoying the process while it's happening and, you know, not getting hung up on why isn't that thing the way that it was or whatever it is for you that might be um, f finding limitations throughout it. So, yeah, what about for you? Do you also feel like it's in retrospect or in hindsight that you're able to... I think I used to, moments. I think I used to really see, to see that resistance and that change and that transformation process as something really difficult. And then when I came out on the other end, I'd be like, oh, okay, it was all worth it. You know, when I, mm -hmm. I get it. Um, and lately I've, even when I'm in the resistance and even when I'm feeling that change and, you know, I can sit there and, and feel like, I know things are shifting and the fact that things are changing in and of themselves is such a beautiful experience because it just means I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm able to then be more present with myself in those moments and, and just kind of have gratitude for, for even the awareness behind the experience. Um, I think that's probably what I'm most grateful for in my life at the moment is, is the ability to, to recognize the awareness behind the experience and, and, and feel, um, feel grateful that I am having the experience at all. I guess that's a practice in itself, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> practice <laughs> uh, and a continued one for sure. But that, that awareness for me is also linked to, to breath and to when I can step away um, from just this, this first experience of, of being a human being mm. um, and take a step back and, and remember that we're source and we get this beautiful gift that is life and we're meant to experience challenge. We're meant to experience pain we're meant to experience happiness and joy it's part and parcel of this big package that you know that's exciting stuff so what are you most grateful for I guess I'm most grateful for having the space to reflect on things that no longer um I guess that yeah are and are no longer influencing me because I think that when you ask, did you always know these things or did you, you know, did you always feel that way? A lot of the time when I was younger, I thought, will I ever know or will I ever have that wisdom or insight or, or you know, absolute certainty? And I think that since today we can sit here and discuss that, yes, it might not always be the case and it comes with ebbs and flows, that there are definitely moments of total and utter clarity and total and utter, you know, joy and celebration of going, oh, yes, I, I do kind of know where I'm going. I do kind of know um, what I want from this this space and what I want from this journey. And um, so, yeah, I guess I'm grateful to have clarity to know that, you know, when it's time to go and when it's time to stay and and to know that that it's present, it's current, it's, it's, it's here. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I feel like we've come full circle, you know, yeah. full circle in 
in that way. Yeah, well, I feel like a lot of the time when I was seeing you in workshops, in enhanced workshops, we were checking in with each other and it's like, it's almost like we were holding each other accountable for these things that we knew we were working on, but it was like, have you done that thing yet? No. Have you done that thing yet? It's like, yeah, no, don't even ask. Don't don't go there. Don't go there. We were. I, I felt like I always had this intimate knowing of kind of not knowing much about you, but knowing a little bit about your circumstances and just, yeah, checking in and being, it's so, so, it's so great to see you speaking in, you know, such a beautiful space of of knowing and having such great wisdom and reading moongasms and just being like oh man she's been on a trip since the last time I saw her at those workshops (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) like wow that is that's a wild a wild beautiful journey to to have only caught little glimpses of so oh I feel the exact same I really do I feel like we really uh, were checking in for a while there and being like, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I'm I not know. there yet. I'm still in this space, but I'm working on it. And it takes it, time. Yeah, it takes time, but it's it's all part of the process and I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have given up any any moment of that journey. Mm. I wouldn't have rushed it. I'm glad I'm here. Mm. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on this on this journey of this episode with us right before you leave thank you for driving this episode thank you for dri- being the driving force behind moongasms um for sh- yeah sharing insights to different i've only listened to hands and well they're, they're the only two yeah. episodes right yeah yeah great. this will be the third great <laughs> what an honor what an honor to be um the the, the trinity number three yes. of um of the moongasms journey and i'm so proud of you we'll have to get you back on when you're when you're feeling back in flow over here in <laughs> melbourne again or maybe i'll have to come visit you in india when i figured some more stuff out yeah great i can't wait yeah thank you so much for being here Thank you. Um, oh, wait, before we go, how do people find you? Um, <laughs> do you want them to? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because once upon a time I had this blog called findingcharlie.tumblr.com. Oh, you did too. <laughs> which had its 10, I think it was 10 years this year. Wow. I haven't updated it in a couple of years, but for a while I was trying to find myself. Um, and aren't we all? Yeah. And um, so, I mean, you could go there for archives, but that's not very current. Um, <laughs> uh, on Instagram, I'm Charlie Brophy underscore. My uh, website for photography is charliebrophy.com. And then my website is, um, sorry, my email is just charlie at charliebrophy.com. So that's how you can find me in the World Wide Web. But if you'd like to get up close and intimate, well, I will probably be lurking, wandering, doing headstands somewhere in India. So see you somewhere. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, kid. Thanks, Thanks, Mickey Mancuso. Oh, he's so cute. We're back on air uh, for one last thing. Um, in Char- hindsight. In hindsight, yeah, Charlie and I were talking about, um, you know, knowing after a while how to let go of something to make room for new things to grow. And I think when we're in resistance to change and we're in resistance to letting to letting go of something that we love and that we cherish and that we value, nothing – it's like it's like putting a big trunk across a river and saying like, I just want to keep this water here and, and I really want to enjoy it but you don't let it, let it flow anymore and, and so it becomes just a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute you can let go and say, I love you but I'm ready – to open and broaden and I'm letting go with compassion. You welcome like a million opportunities. Yeah, I think the moment you say this is this is no longer serving my higher self, maybe there's more possibilities out there for me to discover, then yeah, you're able to say you're able to because when you're working with that resistance, you're actually inviting more of that resistance into your life. So that energy that you're putting out there of, oh my god, there's so much resistance. Okay, I'll just push the resistance, and then I'll hope to have more, uh, you know, more clarity by the end of it. It's like, no, wait, why is this resistance here? And you need to sit within that resistance and maybe try and listen to what it's trying to tell you. And sometimes it's whispering it. And sometimes it's yelling it so freaking loud, but we don't listen. 
Bruce told me this, you know, Bruce from India, he's like long yeah, blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. So Bruce <laughs> told me this thing, maybe the first year I was in India and he said to me, the universe will slap you with a wet fish in your face if you don't listen. And I was like, except he's English, right? So he was yeah. like, the universe will slap you with a wet fish until you listen, right? <laughs> so good. And I was like, what does that even mean? And let me tell you, I've been slapped so many times. I've been like, oh, because if you don't, it starts as a whisper. This is back to intuition. Like it starts as a whisper. It starts as a feeling in your body. And when we ignore that, it gets louder and louder and louder until eventually it slaps you in the face because it's like, come on, now you can wake Wake up. up. Like you got this. And I think, yeah, that's been my journey over the past two years is really – you know, trying to, to listen to the, to the whispers before I get hit in the face. Sometimes getting hit in the face is inevitable. And yeah. It's, and sometimes that's just like, especially if you do things at extremes, which is something I'm very familiar with. Like I won't really listen unless it's a slap of, in Bruce's words, a wet fish, but that, you know, that extreme, like, oh, all right, God, I really needed to be knocked off my path or I really needed to, 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 yeah, to, to fall um, in a direction that is really uncomfortable or really you just kind of know. You just know that it's, it's And it happens it's not in the, the reverse, right? Mm. Because when you do something that you know intuitively is good for you, the universe is like, here you go, here's another experience and another one and another one and another one that solidifies that choice. Just that falls made. into alignment and it works, yeah, totally. The polarity of going, oh, I shouldn't be doing this and then nothing, nothing's working out for you and you just keep going and it's still just the universe is saying, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not going to open those floodgates for you because, you know, that's, that's well, well, or, or you can, the universe will open those floodgates, but like you better learn how to swim because they're going to, those waves are going to crash <laughs> down so hard. Um, but yeah, on the contrary is, is going, okay, maybe this, this might be really confronting for everyone around me that loves me, but I think I've got to do this thing and, oh my God, I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, the universe goes, okay, cool. Well, you took that leap. So here's this opportunity and here's this opportunity like quitting your job and then you get all of these other great opportunities that just go, yes, I actually should mention that one of the things that I was trying to do when I was aiming to get back to India is that I was just trying to obviously get into a space where I was financially stable enough to go again. And so I hadn't worked in hospitality for a long time and I got a job at this um, cafe and it was really horrible. (laughs) It was so... um, I mean, not the staff and it was just this one particular experience I was having there. Um, it was really, every part of me was was feeling like leaving work so depleted. You know, when I work in photography or when I work a catering job, I can go to yoga before, I could go to yoga after a really big day. I feel like, yes, great. That's my body really, every part of me is saying that's the kind of work that I want to be doing. So I can allow for more time in the day. Um, to do the things that I love. But I'd come home from this cafe after, you know, a five-hour shift and every part of me was just destroyed. I was heavy. I was, I'd cry a lot. I was really emotional. And the, you know, realization that I came to was, okay, this is even, I can't, I cannot do things that don't align with me for money anymore. I cannot put myself through that. And so I actually made a deal with myself and I thought, imagine if I put this much time, which was say four days a week at a cafe, five hours a day into something that I really loved. Imagine, I wonder what would actually happen. And that's where I thought, all right, I'm, when it became too much, I'm quitting that job. But if I quit that job, I'm going to apply that, those same five hours a day plus, you know, how many ever days a week it takes to then get this project, which was at the time, just a book, um, up and running. And it was amazing. It was like, I wrote that down in my morning pages. I made that deal with myself and I have been so grateful every time I go past that cafe and I think, oh, I, one part of me cringes and another part of me just says, yes, like, thank God that experience happened because I had to make myself feel so uncomfortable and so out of alignment, um, and feel like I was really off, off my path and just not feeling like I was even being, you know, treated like the a human being deserves to be treated. Um, and all of that felt like, what is this for? And now it's like, okay, that was so I could actually get back on path. So 
you know, and, and I, my work was really well received and I felt really great. I felt really proud of everything that I did. And had I not have gone down that path of being really uncomfortable for a period of time with the work that I was doing and putting my foot down and actually going, I'm ruling my line. I'm saying, no, I don't deserve to be treated this way. And I no longer will allow myself to be treated that way. That's when everything else kind of fell into alignment because I created that space and I drew that line. So yeah, it's kind of a domino effect, isn't it? Always. And it's so important to have that polarity. You know, I was had this thought the other day about the ego and we're always trying to kill it. You know, everyone, you know, new agey now these days is like death to the ego, you know, we need to break it down. And I sat there the other morning and I was like, actually our ego is just another way to keep us on our path to truth because it's a conversation we can have you know the ego is the one that says you know you can't you're not enough you know or you're amazing you deserve that you know whatever and it and it allows it creates opportunity for us to say actually what is true for me the ego says this is that true or is it not true and and what is that truth for me and so you know the ego can show up in your job Yeah, it's definitely a filter, you know, it's definitely a lens to look through and it's definitely worth seeing what comes up when you, when you, when you place that lens on and you think, oh, what does my, you might not consciously think, what does my (laughs) ego have to say about this? But you're like, you can notice like, okay, that's my ego talking. If you are really aware and conscious, you can think, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. My ego is being hurt right now. Or my ego is, is driving me. It's the force behind me right now. But I think that's where uh, the power is to actually not let it continue to be the front seat driver is That's to it. put it in the back seat and think, okay, cool. You're a passenger. You're part of the ride. I'm not going to hate you. Maybe I shouldn't like give you too much power, but I can listen to the value that you have to add. Yeah. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to remind myself, oh, actually, no, no, I know what's truth for me. Mm-hmm. Cause when we're not connected to ourselves, that ego talk becomes very loud and it, it takes you know, a bit of time to shut it down and be like, nah, that's not true. Yeah. You don't have all of this. You've got a little bit of this, yeah. but like, I got the rest. Yeah. Thanks, ego. Thanks. Yeah. Love you. Thanks ya. for serving me in the way that you need to. Now back in your box. <laughs> back in your triangle. <laughs> cool. I, I feel yeah. like the universe is nuts and amazing and just like a beautiful thing. Thank you, universe. We love you. Yeah. Can I ask, um, what do you feel really grateful for right now? Because I didn't ask you. Oh, I am so grateful for trust. Trust in the universe. Trust in myself. Trust in others. Trust in in just like everything is as it should be. You know. And oh yeah. We trust you too, Mickey Mancuso. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just just trust in the beautiful connections that keep you know, popping up in my life and, um, yeah, super, super grateful for that. Grateful for you.